Jack Grealish is like taking the Freddie Flintoff Ashes 05 mantle here and just (laughs) 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 we miss people like Paul Gascoigne enjoy him subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app rugby on off the ball with Vodafone official sponsors of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now you're welcome along. So we are talking rugby, an extraordinary afternoon yesterday at the Stade Velodrome, La Rochelle 24, Leinster 21. Extraordinary game, extraordinary closing 10 minutes. Arthur Retier eventually touched the ball over after a prolonged period of pressure on the Leinster try line. There was no time for a Leinster response. And so Ron Nogara, European winner as a player, now European winner as a head coach and Leinster once again as has been the case really for 2019 and 20 and 21 have to reflect on a painful lesson very happy to say Fiona Hayes is with us Grand Slam winner with Ireland hi Fiona Hey Joe how are you? Yeah very well and Keen Tracy of the Irish Independent was at Stad Velodrome Keen for a very memorable occasion I'm sure gives a sense of the atmosphere first of all then we'll get into the particulars of the game look like a lot of Leinster fans managed to travel over and needless to say a lot of yellow flags as well yeah it was absolutely incredible over here Joe um, the Larish Shell fans just brought so much colour in, in their yellow which seems like an obvious thing to say but my god they made some noise it wasn't sold out I think it was maybe 8,000 short of a sellout, but it, it the place was rocking from start to finish. I came over on Thursday, and since Thursday, the, the place has just been chock-a-block full of fans. The Challenge Cup was on on Friday night, so you had plenty of Toulon fans and Leon fans milling around, but definitely one of those days where you were really appreciative of the job that you're in to, to be in a place like that, because these are the kind of things we've missed didn't we, during lockdown as well, that they were the kind of thoughts I had that you think back to the Leinster La Rochelle game last year and that was played behind closed doors and this was the the exact opposite really it was it was a very very special occasion um full of admiration for the, the Leinster fans who did make the trip it wasn't it wasn't cheap to get here by any means but um they were drowned out by the La Rochelle fans it actually felt like a home game I'm sure it probably came across on TV as well it, it felt like we were in La Rochelle for the game and I'm sure you've probably seen the the pictures and the videos of what's going on in La Rochelle at the moment. I think the the squad flew home at 3am last night and there was thousands of people at the airport waiting for him. So um, when you kind of take your Irish hat off for a second, uh, you couldn't begrudge La Rochelle their success at all. Well, let's hear from the coaches then. Uh, La Rochelle were all about resilience, really, beaten in last year's final. They have come again this season and even yesterday, six points down early on. They were five points down at halftime when they would have had every reason to feel they should have gone in ahead at halftime. And then they were eight points down until the 59th minute. And really, the only time they led in this game was after the 80th minute. So that's a pretty extraordinary resilience, not least when you're against Leinster. That was something Ron Nagara, when he was speaking to various journalists, including our own Willow Callahan here, that was something he was speaking about. 18-10 for me, it showed the character of the team. It was easy to escape mentally, it was easy to down tools. This is Leinster going for their fifth star, but uh, I'd like to think we've installed uh, a small bit of fighting Irish spirit in the Frenchies. Uh, Will Skelton fronted up, Winnie Antonio was good. Um, we really, really wanted, wanted to win the game. It's as simple as that. It sounds like a bit of a, 
but um, I suppose my overriding sentiment is just uh, I'm proud of that 23 they stuck at it they stuck at it and uh, found a way and Arthur Rettia scores a, a brilliant try but that's him he's like a brilliant goal scorer in football you know he, he, he knows the way to the try line his stats are off the chart and um, it, it's very very big day for the club very big day it sure is. And then Leo Cullen here talking to Willow Callahan uh, won't have escaped anyone's attention that La Rochelle won this game three tries to zero. Not something anybody, I think, anticipated. So here's Cullen. It's part of the frustration as well, Leo, that you didn't create too many try chances yourselves during the game. It was very reliant on penalties. By comparison, they probably had a couple of tries they left behind too. Um, yeah, but like we're camped on their line in a few different stages during the game where we're inches from getting over. And um, yeah, like they go very aggressive, as we know, during that defensive breakdown. Um, and, you know, they gave away a lot of penalties during the course of the game. So, um, but yeah, that's the game, you know, it's, it's high pressured. Um, it's really tight margins, isn't it? And that's the bit that you need to try and get right, like to put in that really big performance on the biggest days. And, you know, like if you're being, like, if we're being totally honest, we didn't probably quite deliver our very, very best today. But that's a lot of credit to La Rochelle as well, because they came with a plan to try and, you know, stifle some of the things that we normally would do well. It's on the phone note about the URC. Top seed, still in a very strong place to do well in that competition. Just a case of dusting yourselves off and getting back out there again now. Um, definitely, yeah. Like it's just getting back on the horse, so to speak. So, um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard just to turn it around. But you know we'll be at the RDS, um, and hopefully we get a big crowd there because you know as I said, a lot of sacrifice going into the team this year. So there's the players that give so much. There's the backroom team that gives so much. The supporters, you know, massive effort like for people to get here for the game today. Like we're so appreciative, you know. And you know, there's thousands of people back home as well that you know obviously they turned up in the Viva for the Toulouse game, turned up over in Leicester for the quarterfinal in Welford Road, and uh, it means a huge amount to the team. So you know, hopefully we can get a good crowd here the yes, and we'll try and put in a better performance uh, in the quarterfinals and start to build in for what's beyond that. But um, for now, it's just trying to recover and try and raise the spirits of the group a little bit at the moment so um, lots of good things have happened so far this season it's devastating to lose particularly in the manner that we've lost the game um, but yeah it's it's turn around and learn some painful lessons unfortunately yeah more painful lessons for Leinster in Europe that's Willow Callahan there asking the questions of Leo Cullen we have Keen Tracy and Fiona Hayes with us so Fiona we could start here with what went wrong for Leinster or we could start here with the O'Gara story I think Let's go with the O'Gara story because what he's done here uh, merits headline um, treatment. Uh, we've put a bit of Irish fighting spirit into the Frenchies, one of the standout lines there from that interview. Uh, his coaching CV is rather extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was a coaching masterclass. You know, we looked at, uh, I talked all in the build-up previous to this. Um, we're looking at Leinster, how strong they are, how they've improved in the areas, ball carrying and all, and all those different areas. But Raj got that team to stick with them. They were down. The discipline wasn't great at times, but they reverted back to their scrum. They reverted back to their mall, the things they were really, really good at. And you saw a lot of character and he's definitely built that in them. And especially the big standout for me was Will Skelton coming back after being injured last in that 80 minutes. I looked at him, I think around the 68 minute, I said, he's definitely dead and his feet has gone off, but he had the character to, to keep on going and last those 80 minutes. And I think uh, Ron Nogar has to be congratulated and the coaching staff and on 
building that into these guys because we saw a real one from them and they were just immense in those last 12 minutes in ball retention. First 10 minutes, Fiona, Leinster looked supreme. The shape was good. They were picking holes in the La Rochelle defence. They could have very easily had a try. They were 6-0 up. It looked like this could be a Toulouse-esque type performance uh, given what they did in the semi-final and then on 11 minutes Raymond Rule scored that try pretty much out of nowhere certainly they, were, they had no momentum at that stage I don't think Jimmy O'Brien and, and uh, he was I think thinking about trying to help out Furlong inside him and Rule is a great player I mean and, and he's proven that on a few occasions he only needs a little bit of space and suddenly it's 7-6 and, and West kicked the penalty you know if you're looking for like a bellwether moment he kicked that penalty with a bit of confidence it's 7-6 and from that moment on you would have to say La Rochelle really pretty much had the better of it. There wasn't like a distinct Leinster purple patch for the remaining 70 odd minutes. No, and I think what was strange, and I know it's probably been talked about a lot, what was strange is you would think with this Leinster team, when they got some of those penalties, I understand the first kick, they they, they came out with intent and that first penalty they got, they went down the line and I, I thought this is how they're going to go with this game. They're going to really attack La Rochelle and bring it to them. But it was almost like any time they got momentum, they gave away a penalty and then, uh, sorry, La Rochelle gave away a penalty and they'd kick for post. So I think it took it out of their game that they weren't, we saw very few few backline attack moves. I know Henshaw had a couple of line breaks, but other than that, we didn't see those forwards and back interlinking like we'd seen before. You have to take your hat off to that La Rochelle line speed and how they got up and were in the face and they definitely put a lot of pressure on Johnny Sexton. There was a couple of borderline uh, late hits in there, but that's the name of the game and it was almost Leinster looked tired at times, I thought. They looked, I know the heat was massive out there, but we definitely, I didn't see the team and the attacking that I know they're really good for and they just didn't show up in that game and that you can look at how La Rochelle defended him in that but I also think they were a bit they didn't try any of these things that they were trying all season they were slightly reserved for me Keen you watch Leinster play live a lot to your eye what was happening in front of them that meant they weren't putting together the kind of interplay and the backline moves that have uh, like synonymous with in particular this season and over the last number of years what is it La Rochelle were doing in simple terms, Joe, it was very large men running off the defensive line very fast, but obviously it goes a lot deeper than that. And like I think this defeat is seriously, seriously damaging. Um, I think it's going to be more damaging than the semi-final defeat last year because when you think about it, I know they were Lens were missing some key players. It was played behind closed doors. You have all those kind of elements that certainly have to be mentioned. But Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen pretty much went back to the drawing board after that game. And everything they've done since has been about devising a new game plan that would be good enough to beat the likes of La Rochelle. So it was perfect that they got a chance against La Rochelle to see how how far has this game plan come on and is it good enough to beat the, the best teams. And ultimately, it wasn't. And I think that that is seriously, seriously damaging. Um, I don't think La Rochelle did anything on Saturday yesterday that Leinster weren't expecting. So... You can't say that they pull some some sort of rabbit out of the hat or anything like that because it just wasn't the case. And if you, like you kind of touching it there, Joe and Fiona did as well. Their shape early on, you could see them getting into their the, the pods of three forwards. But um, I just watched the game back there because you know sometimes when you're at it live, you, you, you tend to miss stuff, particularly when your head is buried in the laptop. But I was shocked with how little they were they were able to get into that shape. And I do think that so much of that credit is it has to go to La Rochelle there an exceptional team 
I think they're like truly are deserving champions. Um, but it's I like you know yeah. you can hear Leo Cullen there talking to Will about you know turning the page, going to Glasgow. But if we're being realistic about this, like Leinster judge themselves off success in Europe. If Leinster win another URC title this year, is it a successful season? It depends on how you define success. But I, like, if you were to ask Johnny Sexton or any of those guys, you know, chant the Champions Cup is the one that they want to win. And this idea now that they'll turn the page and that they will finish the season strong is all well and good. But they're going to be waiting a hell of a long time to get back into this into this position. And for someone like Sexton, he now only has one chance left at winning that fifth uh, Heineken Cup. And I think. Like, you know, they've made no kind of secret of, and they call it themselves like the the drive for five, like they want to get that fifth star in their jersey, but it's become such a mental thing now at the moment. And I think Fiona is right. You just have to give credit to Ron O'Gara. I thought it was, I thought it was a masterclass because that it wasn't just the, the brutal physicality um, that we know Larry Shedder capable of, and there was plenty of that as well. But they played some brilliant rugby. That Raymond Rule try was just, I, I thought it was sensational. I know you're right, Joe, it did come out of nothing, but um, the, the link play, like that was the kind of try we kind of expected to see from Leinster. And if anything, I, I thought it was Lara Shell were the ones who left tries behind them and not Leinster. And like, again, you can kind of get a different sense of it from being at the ground. And I, I know they left it late and they scored in the last play of the game, but. I felt like if La Rochelle had lost that game, it would have been a travesty for them because I actually thought they were the better team in pretty much every aspect except discipline. So, um, yeah, like I said, they left it late, but they were they were well worth the win, I thought. It was interesting post-match, O'Gara was talking and he was saying at half-time, his players were sulking a bit and they were fed up because they felt, one, they should have been ahead at the break and they probably should have. Like, Leinster got out of jail twice and then great Jimmy O'Brien kick up the field and... Leinster take advantage of uh, was it uh, must have been Doolin got caught and suddenly it's a penalty and that was a 10 point turnaround in effect so Larishell players a bit down in the mouth about that and also they felt they were on the wrong side of Wayne Barnes at the breakdown and they patently were I mean they were really struggling on, on the discipline front they gave away 13 penalties in total to Leinster's 11 and Leinster gave away quite a few at the end so on the penalty count Leinster really won that but what O'Gara said Fiona was he was very aware coming into this match that Leinster score 60% of their tries in the first 20 minutes, whereas we, La Rochelle, score 60% of our tries in the final 20 minutes. So his message at halftime was 12-7, sign me up for that. Yeah, and it's it's just brilliant for a coach to be able to go into a dressing room and deliver that message. You know, as players, you're sitting, you're looking around and you're, yeah, he, he, no better man, I'd say, to tell him to snap out of that sulk fairly quickly. But it's it's having those stats and being and talking to these guys and telling them exactly, we can do this and install in that confidence. And that's, you can see when they came out for that second half, they got the first score after halftime um, from that kickoff. You know, obviously it wasn't a great exit by Leinster and they were caught under the post, but you could see that they came out and they they, they really believed that they were going to win this. They knew they had the physical factor, but they also were w- very aware that they weren't giving Leinster an opportunity to, to get those offloads. They weren't doing anything damage. And even at, at that breakdown, you know, they gave away penalties, but how much did they slow down Leinster ball? We've talked about all, all season, every pundit, everyone talks about that three seconds, how they're so efficient at getting that and getting the ball away. And Gibson Park has the ball on a plate. And they were really, really good at doing it illegally at some times, but you could see that it really affected Leinster's game plan because they, they weren't set up 
things were too slow coming out and they were static. Yeah. There was no players running onto the ball. So it, it was just uh, it was just really working for it's, them and it was brilliant. Well, I think that's a great point. So the Leinster Rook Speed all season we're talking about averages 2.84 seconds, often under 1.5 seconds. So all week in conversations with uh, seasoned observers like yourselves and pundits and trying to pick holes in how Leinster might be beaten and I wasn't getting much back. I didn't, I didn't, and no one seemed to see this coming really. I wonder if we're a touch in an echo chamber here because even chatting to, you know, Shane Horgan pre-match ahead of the match yesterday and he obviously over in the UK and he certainly didn't get the sense in the media over there that they saw it as such a clear-cut conclusion as we did over here. And so, for instance, on that rook speed, Fiona, I would, you know, spend a lot of last week saying, well, you know, what if it's slowed down? And the sense seemed to be, oh, well, look, Leinster... They have such great footwork. They've got, you know, a, a coach who specialises in this area and they, they pick soft shoulders and their their ball positioning is so good and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that was a fair argument for them to make because we hadn't seen Leinster's rook speed really slow down. And yet, boom, it happens. La Rochelle do it, a bit illegally, I'm sure, as well, but like, welcome to the real world. What's the Leinster plan B then? you got you got this real sense of... Leinster not suitably road tested all of a sudden. Yeah, it's it's funny because it, it's like obviously that one second or two second made a huge difference to the runners because how many of the Leinster players were static? So it was almost like the slowing down of the ball, their runs were out of sync, the guys getting into shape, the formation definitely wasn't like we'd seen it. And we saw it in the first few minutes, the opening 10, it was brilliant. So it was it was kind of like they didn't have a plan B. Maybe they should have set up a bit deeper. I don't know, but there was there was almost a shock kind of there that yeah, they gave away the penalties and Larishel were happy do that but it really really interfered with Leinster's game plan and we saw it for the full 80. Mm. Keen Leinster slow ball how many times this season? Yeah exactly but like I mean you know are we in an echo chamber maybe a little bit but I think a lot of people were praising this Leinster team I don't think it was just Irish journalists to be fair and even if you look at I know you had Ross Hamilton on and if you look at the stats like they, they, they back it up but um like Rono Gara had so much ammunition to, to come at any of us afterwards and say, well, look, everyone wrote us off and it would have been kind of a real kind of monster kind of attitude. But honestly, he didn't even go. There was no chip on his shoulder. I think he was he was seriously, I would say, confident that they were going to win. I was at the, the pre-match press conference on Friday and he he was telling us, he told us that he felt like there was something special coming tomorrow. And, you know, sometimes you can you can read those comments and listen to them and be like, OK, of course, the head coach is going to, is going to say that. But... You kind of touched on an interesting point there, Joe, about kind of his halftime team talk. And I believe that, well, sorry, I know that on Friday he apparently delivered um, an exceptional, exceptional team talk, I believe, um, at the team hotel in Marseille. So he kind of, what he did was he took the emotion kind of out of it because, you, you know, you can play on the emotion of a Champions Cup final anyway. But he actually just got stats and data that basically told the players, showed the players why they were better than Leinster. Um, and I was talking to the, the, the sporting director of La Rochelle about this after the match and he was in the room at the time and he said like the lads like were the players were seriously seriously buzzing after it because it's all well and good a coach telling you and like make no they knew that they were the underdogs going into this but when a head coach is showing you stats and data of why you're a better team and afterwards Ron O'Gara told us that he identified the last 20 minutes as the time that they were going to catch Leinster and if you think back to that absolutely ridiculous yellow card that um, the second row got um, 
that was the time where Leinster should have really pressed pressed on their their advantage, and instead that was where La Rochelle grew in confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was it was stunning, really. And you know, Fiona kind of touched on the point there as well that I thought their their tactics were interesting. Look, it's cup finals rugby, and you want to keep the scoreboard ticking over, and that's absolutely fair enough. But I just felt that like. La Rochelle were so cynical um, and they were happy enough to give away three points because, again, I feel like they were so confident that they were going to score tries. They were like, OK, well, if you're not going to take us on, just have your three points because the very first penalty that Leinster got was after a minute of the game and it was kickable and they went for the corner. And I was kind of thinking, OK, this is the, this is the strategy that they have played and we've seen Ireland do it as well because we all know like the, the Leinster team is basically Ireland but Sexton as captain. Over the last couple of years, he's taken on this sort of, I would say, aggressive mindset that we're going to take teams on, we're going to go into the corner, and it's paid off brilliantly, but they did it after the first penalty, and then they didn't really do it at all after that. Because so, it didn't work know. out. I wonder, did they send something? Exactly, and that this is what I mean. Like, I wonder, like, how much are La Rochelle in Leinster heads at the moment? You know, they didn't come away with a try after they'd went to it, and after that, they took their points. And look, if Leinster end up winning the game, you're thinking, you know, brilliant, they kept the scoreboard ticking over and that, but I just felt that La Rochelle were seriously growing in confidence every time that section pointed to the post like there was one either side of half time as well so we had the the scrum penalty against the head Leinster go down the other end of the pitch mm. and they they very nearly score Josh van der Fleer makes a brilliant carry and you're kind of thinking okay you know you could go for the juggler here and really like that would have been I think that would have been an ultimate sickener for La Rochelle if because it looked like they were going to score at one end and then if Leinster had got seven points down the other end and then about six minutes after half time they got another penalty Again, they were camped on the La Rochelle line. They were happy to give away penalties. You're kind of thinking now, Wayne Barnes could give a yellow card here as well. Um, but he didn't. And again, the, the, I was watching it back. The pack, the pack looked like they were kind of getting ready to you know, go again, that it was going to be maybe a line-out. But between them, Johnny Sexton and James Ryan said, no, we're going for the, po- we're going for the post. And again, I just think that gave La Rochelle belief. Mm. As you were talking know, there I know, about I know, the Ogara... Uh, sorry, I know, I, I know it's sorry. kind of like, sorry, Joe, I, sorry, the delay there. I know it's kind of like a hindsight thing, but it's, you know what I mean? It's difficult to get away from the sense that Leinster didn't score a try. I was looking at it there. They had scored um, 47 tries in their previous seven Champions Cup games this season. Like, it's insane. And not to score a try in the final then is, it's, it's not good, whatever way you look at it. No, absolutely not. As you were talking there about the O'Gara pre-match speech to his players, I was just thinking all the way back to 2000 when he was a young player and generally there's a, an acceptance amongst that team that they were almost too emotional the night before and they almost mm-hmm. all stood up and spoke about what Munster meant to them and why this was so important and there were tears and they realised maybe they had overdone it on that front. So 22 years later to be just talking in stats and here's why we're better it just shows he's picked up so many things from different mm. places along the way on the rugby point sorry do you know what he did mention as well Joe which I thought was really interesting so we kind of like this was La Rochelle's third consecutive final when you think that they got to the top 14 final as well so as he put it himself if they had lost yesterday they'd be branded bottlers you know they don't know how to win the final and it took Ron O'Gara three attempts to win one as a player but he was recalling how before the 26th final when they beat Biarritz that um Paul O'Connell gave a speech in the dressing room before the match and the essence of it was we have to go out and play, you know, that we've, we've been in finals before and we haven't played rugby. And that was the mantra that he went with his La Rochelle team as well. 
Mm. And you'd have to say it paid off fully. Like I said, three tries to three tries to none. They were the ones who wanted to play the rugby. And that goes back to my point about Leinster taking the points. They were happy to keep the, the scoreboard ticking over rather than, you know, saying, let's play a bit more rugby. And for me, I think that that's a mental thing. I think Larry Shedder now totally in, in Leinster's heads. Just to go back to the rook speed for a second, Fiona, because it is so integral to how Leinster play. Bernard Jackman, in his piece in the Sunday Independent, was referencing how slow the ball was and he name-checked, I think it was a Welsh coach, I'm not too sure, but he name-checked a coach who would have uh, various training drills whereby the ball was deliberately slowed, as in you just couldn't take the ball for two, three, four, five seconds, for instance, and then, right, go break down a defence now with slow ball. You'd love to know if Leinster maybe doing that on these famous stew days, stews days where the tempo is up and it's quick, quick, quick and it's quick, quick, quick because that's something they're going to have to look at is slow ruck ball when it's going to happen at some stage, you feel in the knockout yeah. stages of Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know what? Like there, there's teams all season trying to do that. And it's an area I'm, I'm sure every team have gone in with a game plan to focus because that was probably one of the areas that you could hit Leinster in and some and bigger packs maybe carrying into them. But but it's definitely something. And I, I would imagine that because it, it it hasn't really troubled them. And, and we talked about how their ball carrying ability and all that has, has been exceptional and finding those soft shoulders and all that kind of stuff. So I would imagine that they haven't worked on that because with this new kind of game of rugby it's it's all fast it's move the ball it's keep the ball alive it's keep it going and and you train with that kind of intensity so I would imagine that it's it's not an area that they've worked on someone getting in and having some prop lie on top of the ball or, or whatever because you know what like Wayne Barnes is is a stickler in that area and they just seem to do perfectly uh, La Rochelle they did give away the penalties but you could see the handout grabbing Gibson Park for just a second at times and they just managed that discipline perfectly I thought mm. So post Bilbao 2018 it's been Saracens twice La Rochelle twice and Will Skelton always like at this stage do they just need to buy Will Skelton <laughs> is that like can we just save everyone a lot of trouble here I mean it's it's extraordinary Skelton's still playing on 78 minutes not 79 minutes still making carries Fiona I mean he'd had 13 minutes preparation <laughs> He was so good. I was I was thinking there's no way this guy is going to be fit and ready to go because I saw him. He had the 13 minutes the previous week and he, he looked dead in his feet after the first five of those. But I just thought he was absolutely immense. It's like he lights up when it's it's big, big cup games, rugby. He, he's a player that takes to the stage and he loves it. But he looks like he's happy playing. He's carrying, he's making those meters and his work rate especially with La Rochelle, I've seen his work rate has come up massively and that's got to do with the coaching staff and how they how they deal with him. He's just been immense and and for a man he size to keep going and, you know, like I think it was the 78 minutes, um, I think Dante went on to the, or sorry, the 68 minute Dante had to go on to the side of the scrum and you just saw Skelton's side of the scrum, they absolutely blitz Leinster. So he still had it in him in that and, and that was probably the start of, they got the penalty from there and went up the line and that was the start of those 12 13 minutes of sheer La Rochelle dominance in attack. Yeah. Atonio and Skelton, that must be the biggest tight head side in history. <laughs> I would think. I mean, that, that isn't because uh, and, and actually, it's it's great that you've watched it back again, King, because there's so much to take in. So, certainly, a, a strong memory from yesterday is the Leinster scrum going backwards and struggling, but it didn't feel like the decisive issue akin to the World Cup final, say, between England and South Africa. What was it like watching it back this morning? Yeah, it, it didn't. I just thought a lot of the the foundations of Leinster's game was poor. I mean, 
we I think we discussed this the last time I was on the show that they coming into the game they conceded nine scrum penalties yeah. in their previous. You, no, you, in fairness, you, you really flagged that more than anyone actually. The scrum. The, the first scrum of the day yesterday, they conceded a scrum penalty, and this is what I was saying that a referee is only human if he or she is go doing their homework, which they do, and going, okay, well, Leinster have a tendency to to concede penalties now, and that's what happened yesterday. So it wasn't a decisive factor, but. The line-out had issues, um, the line-out mall had issues, um, their, their line speed I thought was poor at times, so like you talk about preparing, you know Fiona saying that you know would they have been working on this slower rock speed, like you'd hope that they were because like I said, La Rochelle didn't do anything that they wouldn't have been expecting, so it's a big issue and look, it, 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 the broader point of this is it's a big issue for Ireland as well because <clears throat> All of these issues that Leinster have mean that Ireland are going to have the same issues. And now suddenly the the, te- the, the series in New Zealand looks, to me, even, even more daunting, no matter what happens in the URC. Well, you can draw a line from Stade de France and France going after Ireland at the breakdown to what La Rochelle did to Leinster. That's a fairly clear line. It's hard. Like, Fiona, what do we say of Leinster here? Like, we spend... 98% of the season saying they're the most wonderful team, they're blitzing everybody, they're the best team in Europe, they are to be applauded. And I think all that stands. And then there's always the proviso, well, let's see how they go against a big team in Europe. And that's, depending who we're talking to, discounted as, oh, no, they'll be fine or else, yeah, that, they still have to pass that test. So now here we are again, fourth year in a row, and it's Leinster have been supreme and played the most eye-catching rugby all season and they've fallen. So... What are we saying of Leinster here over the last two, three, four years? You see, that this, that's it, Joe. It's like we've looked and, you know, and they've acknowledged that, that they've, they've, they've got to look at that area. I mean, that two-lose game probably didn't stand them any good because they, they absolutely blitzed them and probably we saw a tired two-lose pack. So Leinster really weren't against a big physical pack. Leicester were slightly, but they, they, they didn't dominate um, Leinster at all. So they hadn't had that challenge of bar La Rochelle the, the year before and they hadn't really but we just presumed in watching how they dealt their footwork watching Van der Fleer watching the, the ball carrying watching they they changed their presentation they were getting sharper they were getting quicker ball so I presume that that in, in turn wouldn't kind of come into play when you're playing against these big guys another issue was I didn't think they moved them around enough either you know we're used to Leinster like it, every time you're talking about you know kicking penalties but you're also giving these big lads a chance to rest for about a minute and a half every time you go instead of going up the line and really going for the juggler so look Leinster have played immense rugby amazing rugby to watch all season but they were they they looked a little bit tired to me and it wasn't um the, the type of rugby and the style I'd seen them playing so I don't know is it a kind of a final the things were they tired did maybe the game plan what was their game plan I'm not too sure but you can't take away from how they've played all season and I and I, I would imagine we'll see a big showing against Glasgow again yeah that's an interesting point because you think of that decision to kick to the corner early on and there was a turnover and then they stopped doing it so that suggests uh, the players have the capacity and the permission to make a decision how they feel but it's a fairly seismic change in your tactics isn't it like you're talking there Fiona well kick to the corner don't give these big lads a chance to rest and, and move them around what's the last thing Skelton wants he doesn't have to jog back again and go again and we have to defend another mall and so that's a, that's a fairly big abandonment of a core area, as in when we get a penalty, what are we going to do? First one doesn't go well, OK, we're going to retreat. They, I mean, geez, they must have really sent something about 
La Rochelle at the breakdown there, Keen. But it, like it was, it was noteworthy. Johnny Sexton brought that up in his post-match mm. comments without being specifically asked about the decision to kick for penalties. He almost said. Uh, you know, just brought it up himself. People are going to say, "Oh, we, you know, we kicked for the post," and and that's hindsight. But it, it was all, <laughs> it was almost like him, uh, I think, bringing yeah. it up himself and wondering, actually, God, that does go against the grain of what we're about for the other eleven months of the year. Uh, you're you're spot on, Joe. Because I was going, I meant to say that earlier. Actually, that Johnny Sexton brought it up, and none of us had actually asked him about it. So you can you can think that's only a few minutes after the game. So there are definitely thoughts that was running through his head, and it's. It's the fact that they've been doing it and doing it so successfully and then to go away from it in the biggest game of the season. And again, like I'll say, like I know cup, cup finals are different and you don't get any extra points for, for how you win them. But I just felt that they were giving La Rochelle, like you said, a breather, but also a psychological advantage as well. And I think another point worth mentioning is, and like, you know, we rightly laud Leinster for the amount of players they use. They used 60 players this season with Ben Murphy coming to 60 at last week. But... We talk about their strength and depth, but for me yesterday, they got very, very, very little off the bench. Um, okay, Dan Sheehan came on early and, and played well, and, you know, Reese Ruddock and Keen Healy and Michael Alatoa, between the three of them, they, they each hit uh, double figures for tackles made, but, like, you compare that to the impact that that Larichelle got, and I thought Batia was exceptional when, when he came on, and Retier obviously scored the try, and he's very interesting. I think I was telling you this, Joe, like, he's, he's actually a back three player who's been converted into a scrum half. And I think this comes back to kind of O'Gara's time in the Crusaders because he doesn't really care about positions because Botti has the same. Botti is a centre who plays back row. It's all about getting your best players onto the pitch. So he knew that, you know, he had a stacked back three, but he wanted to get Retier into the pitch somehow. And he comes on and he scores a decisive try. But I just didn't feel like Leinster got <clears throat> an awful lot from their bench. And I think that's, that's a big issue because, like... I was looking back and it's Kieran Frawley was an unused replacement and he was also on the bench for the semi-final last year and I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm right in saying he didn't get off the bench that day either. Yeah, sorry, so Sorry to interrupt. I, I I wasn't in here when the team was named. What jumped out to me there was geez, Jordan Larmer did enough surely to mm. warrant 20 minutes at the end. See, I suppose Fiona, further to O'Gara's stats about Leinster scoring most of their points early on, that bench often come on in a pretty cosy position. Yeah, and that's it. And you you saw these guys coming on and it was like a cauldron of pressure they were coming on. And like, I know Ala Latoa, he was good around the park, but I mean, scrummaging wise, he was, he was fairly poor. I thought Dan Sheen was good, but we saw weakness in the scrum as well when uh, when Ke- when Keller was out. So it was it was almost, you're talking about Larmer. He showed he has that X factor against Munster the week before. Would you not? I don't understand how you wouldn't want him on the bench. I know you have to reward the guys, obviously, that were there in the, in the semi-final and as a coach, you have to work like that as well. But he was just someone that could come on and give you a spark. Whereas Frawley, you know, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's a centre, but I would have loved someone in the back three on their bench that really came on and and really attacked because Keenan Lowe didn't get the ball that much. Jimmy O'Brien, it was like you know, it was just they were a bit flat. I thought, and I thought someone like Larmer, if he was on for twenty minutes, would have offered a little bit of spark. So I thought that was unusual. But you're you're definitely right, Keen. They the the bench, the the game changers were that Larichelle had their front row. You had Bosch coming on, Sclavi, like they were so good. And it's it's Leinster, yeah, they rotate squads, but I think they were showing up that there was no big kind of game changer or no exciting player that was coming off the bench that could have tilted it in their direction. Did feel like a moment, Keane, didn't it, when there was the Pierre Borgay try on 59 minutes and 
that was Sexton's last contribution. You know, like you can understand the predicament. Do I kick and oh, take him on? And then Keenan had the same issue and, and they gave away the penalty and, and that led to the try. But Sexton goes off, Porter goes off, Furlong goes off in the same two, three minutes. Suddenly felt like a moment in that game. Yeah, I, I, like if we're being honest and calling a spade a spade, I thought that was a very poor error by Johnny Sexton for a player of his experience. I, it'll haunt him. That'll haunt him. Like, and for, his, for it to be his last action as well, it was a really, really poor error. It put Hugo Keenan in in an awful position, really, and they score they score from right, and that that's pretty much what got them the the late comeback. But like Fiona will notice as well from from coaching, like rugby now more than ever is a twenty three person game, and. It, that that isn't a cliche because it's so it's it's unheard of really for players for subs to be unused. So even you think back to pretty much like James Ryan and Ross Maloney. Ross Maloney came off I think around seventy seven minutes and Joe McCarthy came on for three minutes. You know off the bench and like if you're going to have guys on the bench like you need to have guys who are going to come in and to be fair I, I felt like it was a bench that was picked to see out a game rather than chase a game because if they felt like they were going to need to chase a game. I think Larmer and Ryan Baird would have been on the bench. but um, And this isn't really necessarily a criticism of the personnel that they picked. It's more that they just didn't get what they wanted from them. And if you looked up the minutes, the amount between them that the, the bench played, it, it wasn't a whole lot. So mm. in that heat, and it was roasting, it is roasting over here, like 30 degrees in that heat, energy sapping, you needed fresh legs and the fresh legs that came on, fair enough, they, you know, they held their own like defensively, but to keep that up for, for whatever it was, the 20 minutes at the end, I certainly got the sense that, I don't know that it come across on TV, but I, I felt like it was inevitable. It was only a matter of time before uh, Larachelle scored. It probably did. I mean, ironically, they only had to see out the game. I mean, Leinster were ahead all the way until uh, the 80th minute. So, Actually, if, if if seeing out the game was all that was required of the bench and they had done it, then they were home and host. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I don't know, Fiona, what your sense was watching TV. Certainly the, the try happens and it's back to a point. But you see, then, of course, Thomas Lavelle gives away the dumbest yellow card of all time. And you think, well, that's coughed it back up now. So, But certainly, Fiona, it did feel last five, six, seven minutes. It was about seven, eight minutes they were camped in on the Leinster try line. And it seemed like pretty early on in every passage of play, there was a penalty advantage. It started to feel ominous. Like Leinster were incredible in those few minutes. I mean, they held out for a very long time. Yeah, that like that you have to say fair play. Imagine the bodies thrown on the line, and it was probably about seven, eight minutes of like sheer physical contact. They their big ball run carriers were running at him. Will Skelton was running at him. I thought their height. The only thing, Joe, that really I was baffled about is you know, obviously they gave away a few penalties, and I know Barnes was really looking at it. A lot of them were for offside, um, and maybe not rolling away, but I, I thought no one went for that turnover. There was no one at that stage. I mean, you knew there was two minutes left on the clock. You knew if you got a big turnover, it's game over. If you could get on that ball. And now La Rochelle were clinical in their clean out. But I thought Leinster, and of course, they're going to be a tired this time. But normally we see those big moments, Doris van der Fleer coming up with those big turnovers, even Keen Healy. And it was almost no one even attempted to go for that poach. They were they were happy with the defence, but you couldn't hold out that La Rochelle. They were so clinical. They were square carrying. They were gearing in ground with every carry. And then obviously they'd, they'd get their... Um, they'd get their uh, penalty advantage after uh, maybe three, four, five phases and they never went out wide or anything. They still battered and battered towards that Leinster line. Mm. Anything from the post-match, Keen 
that grabbed you? I think we did see a lot of O'Gara and a little bit of Leo Cullen as well. So we got a good sense of both coaches. I don't know, did any players stand out or any contributions linger in the memory? Uh, well, unfortunately, we didn't get to speak to any of the Leinster players. Uh, we were supposed to, but there was some confusion about they, they went out the wrong exit. They were directed out the wrong exit or something. So that, that, that's that the old uh, I'm on the phone routine. Oh, the wrong yeah, exit, well, sorry. It was, it, was kind of, it was kind of set up like the, the football press conferences where they have to walk through the room, you know, and you're supposed to grab them, which when back when I was covering football, I used to hate doing that, particularly after a defeat and after a cup final defeat, who's going to want to talk to you? But I believe there was a couple of players lined up to speak to us, but they didn't come out. But I actually caught up with Donica Ryan afterwards, who is a bit of a kind of, he gets forgotten about a little bit because Raj gets all the, the headlines, but um, he has made a big, big impact in, in La Rochelle in his first season again chatting to their sporting director he's been seriously impressed with what he's done so he's working around the line out and the mall and, and the breakdown and all areas that were pretty key to, to La Rochelle winning so um you know it's not easy for for Irish coaches to come into a French club and like the, the La Rochelle story is amazing like they only got promoted to the top 14 back in 2014 and for Ron Garrett to come in the way he has and you know basically go to the the, the board and say you know, we want to go after Europe as well. Now, to be fair, John Gibbs was doing that last season and while he was there, but it's not easy to change that culture. We've seen so many French teams and they just don't buy into the Champions Cup because top 14 is where it's at. And the top 14 is definitely, I would say, the priority still for like the likes of La Rochelle, but for him to go in and change that culture and honestly, the the, the scenes yesterday were they were really special and, you know, the Leinster players went out the back door of, of the Stad Velodrome, but the La, the La Rochelle players came through the front door and you had Raymond Rule was walking through afterwards with, um, they have these couple of uh, beatboxes which are absolutely massive. So during the captain's run as well, they, they bring them out and they just play their, their own music. So you had Raymond Rule walking topless through the mix zone with his medal around his neck, uh, pulling a beatbox behind him playing some some rap tunes and it was just in, incredible really to see what it means to to these players and like I said at the start of the conversation you can see what it means to the people but yeah I had a good chat with with Dunica Ryan and one of the things that kind of jumped out to me as well from Ron O'Gara's comments was that when he first came here to La Rochelle he thought winning a Champions Cup was so so far mm. beyond you know down the line in terms of when they were going to be able to achieve it so I think they're ahead of schedule certainly from what O'Gara would have thought as well. And I think like you look at Dunnick Ryan, he's only in he's only in the door a wet week and he's already got a, a Champions Cup medal around his neck. So um it's a great it's great for Irish rugby to see these two guys in what it seems like a brilliant club, a beautiful part of the world. Um and they're they're right at the, the forefront of it. And I wouldn't be surprised over the next couple of seasons if we see Dunnick Ryan even taking on more responsibility than than he already has. Um like I said it's it's great for Irish rugby. Well, who knows where O'Gara is going to be in a couple of years? I mean, <laughs> post World Cup, are you telling me that country, you know, big countries aren't going to send him out? I mean, his credentials oh. are incredible. Uh, Fiona, do you count this as like pretty much a monster European? Is this like three, three <laughs> monster European? Is that how it's been received down there? Certainly, half, half a half a European title at least. 
has to be has to be the bar I was in anyway was going crazy uh, was all it? the Munster fans were absolutely loving it and no <laughs> <laughs> look I, I think it's Raj is always uh, you know especially close to the heart and even in the interview afterwards when he was talking on on, on air just talking about and calling Donico uh, Ryan Skin and it just yeah. uh, you know to hear that accent and you know and he he's just he's, he's brilliant and he's loved down here yeah. Would that bar have been cheering La Rochelle if there was just a French coaching ticket? <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. No, no. Look, look how petty was... you are down there now. That, <laughs> no, that, no. That all you've left. They had, they had, uh, there was a few La Rochelle jerseys around the place, you know, <laughs> so definitely big fans, I'd say, down here. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. No, it's, um, geez, extraordinary. Sorry, Keen. You, you would have enjoyed it on the flight over, Fiona. There was a group of, there was actually loads of Munster supporters here. There was one of one of the great things you were asking Joe about the start uh, at the start of the conversation, and I've been lucky enough to to be at a, a lot of Champions Cup finals, including as a fan as well. And one of the cool things is the amount of like different jerseys because you have mm. fans from all clubs will just come for the weekend, and it makes for a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. But I even spotted a Kerry jersey actually, which was just <laughs> I thought the most typical thing you see Kerry jerseys at every sporting event, but um. On my flight over, there was a group of Munster fans and um, the the captain before we took off was going to say, you know, because there was loads of Leinster fans obviously on the flight too, you know, best of luck to Leinster or whatever. And didn't the group of Munster fans start chanting Ale La, la, la rog, rog Shell, sorry, um, down the back of the plane. So it was just incredible. But yeah, there was there was red Munster jerseys here um, everywhere. Actually, I saw a, a, a plenty of them, but um, I have to say a lot of them did have yellow La Rochelle flags. No doubt. Well, listen, extraordinary. So uh, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, across the week as well. But for the time being, Fiona Hayes, thanks very much, Fiona. Nice one. Thanks, Joe. And Keen Tracy, I'm sure, writing about it in tomorrow's Irish Independent. Thanks, Keen. Cheers, Joe. See you, Fiona. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.